welcome to the Being a Whole Person podcast. I'm Rebecca Haas, a pianist, composer, and creative wellness coach, and my job is to help you self-compassionately grow your creative practice from a supportive foundation of wellness. This podcast features honest conversations, resources, inspiration, and tangible tips to help you cultivate more balance and ease in your work and life, follow through on your goals without constant hustle, and also feel like a whole person in the process. I'm so glad you're here. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 27 of Being a Whole Person. And today, I'm super excited to share my conversation with Audrey Holst. She is a coach who helps people reform their perfectionism and break away from burnout. We became internet friends, or I should just say friends because everything is on the internet now, when we were in Mara Glatzel's online community cycle together in 2019, which We couldn't remember how long it had been since then because time doesn't make any sense anymore. So perfectionism and having overly high expectations and being really hard on ourselves is something that comes up a lot with my coaching clients and has come up for me a lot over the years personally. So I knew I really wanted to have Audrey come on the show because she focuses on perfectionism in her coaching work in this very no-nonsense no bullshit, very compassionate way. So this conversation is two recovering perfectionists chatting, keeping it real. We laugh a lot. We talk about lots of stuff like compassionate productivity, questioning our expectations for what we can realistically accomplish during this time and moving towards simplicity in that. Audrey shares her story of how she originally focused on burnout in her coaching work and how that evolved into perfectionism as her main focus now and how she's seeing that play out with clients during 2020 since we recorded this in late 2020. She also shares lots of her own supportive self-care practices that have been supporting her lately, including wearing onesies for optimal comfort. And if this episode resonates with you, we are also doing a free workshop together on Thursday, February 25th at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, all about compassionate productivity and how it intersects with creativity and perfectionism. Sign-up details will be ready next week, but if you want to make sure you're in on that, you can sign up for my newsletter, Creative Wellness Letters, and you will for sure be the first to know. So with that, let's get into the interview. Today we have Audrey Holst on the show. Hi, Audrey. Hey, Rebecca. Welcome, and I'm so glad you're here. I am really excited for this conversation. It's like the one thing I've been looking forward to today, yes. to be honest. Likewise. So can you just start by telling everyone who you are and what you do and what you're all about? Sure. So uh, my name is Audrey Holst, and I am the founder of the Fortitude and Flow process, which is a process that I bring people through to help them reform their perfectionism and also break away from burnout. Um, I have a one-on-one practice. So I work with people through my one-on-one program called Emerge. And then I also have a group collective care program called Renew that I run on a monthly basis as well. So those are the two things that I'm most, most proud of and most excited for. Awesome. I love that you have some different ways for people to access what you do. Yeah, it's really, it's really important to me. And I play a lot on Instagram. I find that to be a, an accessible and 
easy platform for me mentally. And it seems like for the people that uh, I get along with best, I, I believe actually we've, well, I think we met each other through, through Mara originally, but I think we've been interacting mostly through, I, through, through Instagram. Yeah, exactly. We met in cycle in 2019, Eight, last year, last year feels like a million years ago. <laughs> I was like, it has to be longer ago than that. Nope. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, time. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I'm with you. Like Instagram feels like the safest place on the internet right now. <laughs> just, stay off of Facebook, stay off of Twitter. It's too dangerous out there. Just in these nice, this, the nice world of Instagram where the pictures are pretty yeah. and the memes are funny and the people are nice. And that's, it, that's where yeah, I'm at. Exactly. Me too. And you can curate your experience. Like I have bookmark folders called kitties and colors and like different things that can give me some dopamine visual dopamine <laughs> I love that yeah that's a really good idea I highly recommend it I know people actually who have other accounts just for following pretty stuff oh you know that's different from their business accounts so it's just like a little too much for me to wrap my head around <laughs> so yeah I don't even actually even use my my personal account anymore. I basically am just on my business account. My personal account has been I probably haven't even accessed it for I don't know years now years now. It's just like one account. keep it simple. keeping yeah. things as simple as possible is sort of the name of the game for for me at least. yeah, I think that's smart. It seems to be a way that people are going more and more as our bandwidth this year is shrinking with everything that's going on. Have you been seeing that with your clients? Yeah. And it's, it's been the, the number one action that I've taken with people on the front end. So when people, when people come in to work with me, they do uh, an intake to kind of give me an overview, but I also, I do a conversation. I have a conversation with, with people before, before we work together, because it's really important that the people that I work with are a really good fit for me and I'm a really good fit for them and everything is really well aligned. And so during those conversations, I always have a really good idea of sort of the triage that I need to go through to kind of get people where they need to be just to sort of get their brains back online and get their bodies back online. And one of the main things that, that I've been doing with people in the first call, especially is like, okay, these are some of the ways that we got to, we got to cut some things. We've got to move some things. We've got to like, what can we get out of your space and out of your brain and out of your nervous systems awareness or what's kind of making it nuts? What's the easiest, you know, the easiest stuff we can kind of get clear space for. And that makes the hugest difference for people moving forward because it's, it's a lot of noise. It's a lot of information. It's a lot of input and people get overwhelmed. And if they don't have the tools or perspective to know how to, how to work with that overwhelm, then it's, it's like a big, big old mess. And they tend to have so many expectations for all the things they need to be doing too. And when you haven't really questioned that, it seems like you need to do all those things. Yes. Yes. And that's a big, that's a huge one. So people, that I work with really well tend to come in with super high expectations. They've been traditionally super high achievers in their life, really, really intellectual, super smart. And um, especially the everything that's happened this year, it's like all of the brain tools don't really work in this environment. There are so many other resources. Like I, you know, when I talk to people this year, it's like anything that I have in my, in my skill set or in my toolbox or whatever words you want to use around that 
it's like I've thrown everything in the kitchen sink at it because there, it really has been a time of bring it all on board, all the self-care practices, all the collective care practices, all of your, you know, spiritual practices, all of the practices, all of the people, like call them in. That's been my experience, at least. It's been a hundred percent necessary for any sort of normal functioning this year. Yeah. Me too. And I'm really excited to delve into all those practices. I'll ask you about that a little later. Totally. But uh, so I know you focus a lot on perfectionism as a central theme. And I, I relate my clients tend to overlap with kind of that, those characteristics that you just listed and the, the high achieving and the expectations and the recovering perfectionism. So I know that a lot of people listening probably will be really excited to hear about all this. How did you end up making that your focus? It's a really good question. So I, when I first started digging into my business, and I think that this is, this is true of a lot of people, and this is certainly true of my journey. When I first started my practice, I was trying to figure out, okay, who, like, who are the people that I like working with? Who works well with me? Like, again, that, that, that really good fit is something that's really important. And so I started to kind of dig into, okay, like, what are the commonalities? What are the overlaps with the people that I work with? And the first overlap I found was people were coming to me super burned out. So I started with burnout. That was kind of my entry point in terms of, okay, it it, people that come to me tend to be really burnt out. So I really dug into the research around burnout and the whys and the hows and the, um, you know, the evaluations and the definitions. And so I, and the different causes of it, because burnout is such a huge, huge definite, it's a huge umbrella. And there are so many different things that contribute to it. So I spent a lot of time in that space and when I started writing my book, I the central focus of that book was burnout. And as, as I was going through the book and as I was writing it, I felt like I was sort of taking this stance as an expert on a particular topic that was like almost like a researcher. And it wasn't, it wasn't quite right. I was like, I don't want to be the burnout person. Like it's, that's not really actually what I'm interested in. I'm not, because there are so many things that contribute like structural stuff and organizational stuff and companies. And that wasn't really what I was interested in. I was really interested in the individuals and the sort of interaction that I had with them. So I started to dig into that a little bit more. And with the help of, of my coach, it was like, Oh, the perfectionism, like you're not perfect kept coming up. It's like, you're not perfect you're not perfect. And let's talk about how to deal with that. That was the sort of the mission, the statement that came out of, of all of this digging in. It was like, you're not perfect. And let's talk about how to deal with that. And that's when I started to really double down and use the different language around perfectionism. And it really landed for the people that I wanted to work with. And it really landed for the people who were like, yes, yes, that is. And it started to really call in the right people, the right fits, the right conversations. And so that's, it was not a straight line and it's, I mean, it's never a straight line, but I think that's important for people to understand, especially anybody who's in business or in entrepreneurship that sometimes you think, you know, the thing, but as you go along the journey, it will probably change. So just be prepared. (laughs) Yeah. I always think like plan on it changing because it's going to, you just don't know how, Exactly. (laughs) which is really hard for perfectionists. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the one thing that I, that I really key on is the perfectionist two-step, which I, what I call the perfectionist two-step, which is see it and fix it, see it and nail it, 
see it and get it right. There's this very like quick reactionary way that perfectionists move through the world. And it really does not leave space for that, what you just named, right? That exploration, that thing's going to change, that agility. And it's really very difficult for, <laughs> very difficult. I mean, I'll, I'll put myself in that category, right? I'm a, I mean, perfectionism is something that is so deeply ingrained. I'll, I'll be, I'll be working with it my entire life. And I've certainly been, you know, been working with it my entire life, but it is something that is so, uh, you know, central to, to a lot of the way I've, I've moved through the world through the majority of my life. Me too. I'm with you. <laughs> Recovering yeah. perfectionist is a, a label we're that just I... like nodding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you can't see us right now, but we're like, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's, you're totally right. We'll be working on our whole lives. But I find that also to be a freeing thing to know, like, we can work on it our whole lives. It's cool. We don't have to fix it, which is kind of meta. <laughs> yes, 100%. And I think that that's one of the things too, even, and this is one of the traps of perfection that people tend to get this weird cycle that perfectionism tends to put people in is like, whatever it is, I got to get it right and I got to fix it and I got to address it. And one of the things that I bring people through with the process that I use is just slow down. And the first thing is just to notice and discern because sometimes you get to the noticing and the discerning and you realize nothing to do here. Actually, there's no thing to fix. There's no thing to address. There's no thing to take care of. I just need to be uncomfortable in this moment. And that's quite it. That's it. Which is one of those things that really frees up energy for people, which is one of the most important thing for people right now is freeing up energy or reclaiming energy and agency. Yes. Well, and then just knowing that you don't have to do something could be freeing too. Although my perfectionist brain is like, but but I want to do something. I want to control it. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Thank you for naming that. That is one of the things that is really frustrating for people when we first start working together is, is this sort of, it's this, this frustration like, well, it's not, it can't be that simple. It's not that simple, right? It, it should be complicated. I should have to dig around in it. I should have to figure it out. I should have to work at it. There's this embodied sense that we that we have around things that that I'll put in quotes work and things that don't work and like the things that work are the things that we have to like effort and and wrestle and those sort of words that are really intense uh action oriented words so it's a very different orientation that and it actually takes people's brains and bodies and nervous system, some transition time to get used to that as a whole new reality. Yeah. And with work being such an ingrained capitalist value, it makes total sense that, you know, if something's going to be valuable, you got to work hard for it. Right. Yes. And then like, that's so, so, so ingrained that it feels wrong if it's easy. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. A couple of the words that are really tough for, and it's something that I can recognize and it seems to be pretty, pretty universal in terms of the people that I work with. Being called weak is a huge offensive word. If you, if you're being called weak, it's like one of the worst things you can be called. Being called lazy, also one of the most offensive things you can be called because- That's one of mine. <laughs> yeah. Because, and a hundred percent, and those are the pain points that, that, 
you know, we've been actually trained to react to because systems do a lot better when we are hustling and when we're not thinking and we're not questioning and we just put our heads down and we just do what we're told. So uh, those are two, two really, woof, those, it's like, you have to, I have to really watch those. And it, those tend to be really like rough for people too, that are, that are working with me is that laziness piece. It's like, well, if I'm not producing, if I'm not making something, then there's this feeling of like needing to earn my worth, which is, yeah. And that's really come to light this year as many of us have not been able to work in the same way or don't have a job anymore, you know, the various situations. And then it's like, whoa, like I have to do something right now. Right. Otherwise, who am I? What am I doing? Big questions. Yep. Totally. Yeah. I think it's been a combination depending on people's resources and depending on people's situations of, I feel like some people had some moments of like, they were able to exhale because there was sort of a mandatory break for everybody in the beginning. And, and that's not true. I realized that that maybe is not true for everybody. So for some people, that was really a, a chance to just kind of take a pause. But then there is this like, okay, this level of uncertainty is so uncomfortable. And it's so, and it's, and it's innate, right? We, we talk about some, it's important to, I think, to point out because I forget that when I speak about these things, I realize these are not innate failings in individuals because, and I think that some people still feel that way when I talk about this. So I think it's important to just preface. It is not an innate, an innate failing to feel like, you know, that you can't do it or that like you need to be working hard or, or that like that you shouldn't feel that way because we are literally trained this way. We are, these things are ingrained in us. They are taught to us. And the way that we are built as human beings, we are built to want to belong. We are built to want to fit in. We are built to reach out and collaborate with other people. And as well as these are survival mechanisms that kick in when we aren't able to do those things. So like a lot of the stuff that I think people have been reflecting on themselves in a negative way during this time period, it's like, there's nothing wrong with you. You're actually reacting to this whole situation in a way that's completely normal for a human being in your situation to react. But I think that, again, perfectionists or perfection, people with perfectionism tendencies, I don't even like to use the term perfectionist because it seems so permanent. You know, they, they take it on as if it's, there's something wrong with them. And so it's really important that people understand that like anything you've felt this year is normal and how a human should feel <laughs> given the circumstances. Yeah. Well, and we tend to think we should get over it more quickly because we tend to think the whole pandemic situation should be over more quickly. And it's like, well, the back to normal, like this is a long process and we don't know how to deal with it because it's my first pandemic, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Yeah. I remember when I first, when this whole thing first started and I did a, my, my coach did a whole amazing, it's actually one of the reasons that I decided to work with her. She did this whole, how to basically make sure that your business is addressing what's happening now and what will be happening. And she said something like, and this was maybe back in April or May of 2020 when things were still pretty fresh and people didn't really know what was going on. And I remember thinking, oh, we'll be back to work as normal in August. She was like, okay, here's the deal. This pandemic thing is probably going to go on for at least a year or 18 months. And after that, then we're going to have to go through a recovery period. And then, which will probably be another year or 18 months. And then after that, then there'll be some sort of like, new, new, new sort of like steady ground for lack of better terminology. And I remember hearing those numbers and being like, 
okay, sure. And now, now that we're in where we are in the timeline, I'm like, that is actually completely accurate for what the experience has been and understanding that this is a long game and how to function and survive and thrive and find what is going to get us through this is a long game and not a like, okay, I just need to figure things out the next week. Yeah. Although if all you can figure out is the next week, that's okay too. <laughs> yes. Yes. A hundred percent. I mean, it is a week by week, day by day, moment by moment situation for sure. And but you're not going to fix it in a week. No, you're saying. not yeah. going to fix it in a week. <laughs> not going to fix it in a week. When you were talking earlier about the perfectionist two-step, like that you see something and you fix it, it made me think a lot about safety and how that tendency was great in a lot of situations, like see a bear, run away. You know, like from an evolutionary perspective, there's a lot of reasons why we'd want to be perfectionists and why we respond to like threats in our environment. But, you know, not everything is a threat. It's like your brain overreacting to all that stuff. And, and that's, that would be for normal times. But now that this year safety and our perceived safety is so in question, how have you seen perfectionism change during COVID? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think one of the other things that's worth mentioning is that our sort of more modern are basically what some people will call our social nervous system is our sort of more modern evolved way of of survival which is actually to connect with each other as safety and that is one of the things that has been taken away in so many different ways right like we're not able to be with each other physically the way we would before we can't just have these random interactions with and that's one of the things that i i heard a lot in the beginning was people were missing random interactions. Like I miss having that stupid conversation with a barista or I miss just like randomly bumping into somebody in the grocery store and like having a friendly conversation. Just these little tiny interactions, which seem so little and insignificant in the moment became really big. And in the beginning, everybody was like calling everybody they knew and everybody was trying to gather together because people were just trying to figure it out. And then that became really overwhelming for a lot of us who are not wired like that. I'm not one of those people that wants to be with people 24 hours a day and I'm not a super, super extroverted individual. So a lot of that trying to figure out, okay, like how, what do I need to be okay has been a bit of a, a juggle. And I've seen what's come out and this has actually happened with a lot of, with myself and some other entrepreneurs I've talked about. There is a ton of virtual co-working that's come out of this. People who are like, okay, I want to get together with other human beings and literally do nothing but be in a screen together as we do stuff together to feel like I'm not just by myself in this. So there's been a lot of virtual gathering that's happening. And I think people have found their way through that to figure out what works for them. So that's, that's a piece of it. And the dialing expectations back is something that I have to remind people on a regular basis. Like whatever your expectation was before the pandemic was too high. And now you have to take whatever that was, dial it back to like by about 500% probably, you know, like whatever your minimum viable piece functioning is like, that is still okay. And I, and I find that to be really difficult, especially when it's like, well, I got to run a business and I got to pay my bills and all those things have to happen, which is daily realities. And it's like, Okay. And I also have to balance that with global pandemic. 
So it's been a very big, I think one of the biggest things that I've taught a lot about and I've thought about a lot this year is the both and. Like both of these things are happening. They're both true. They're both happening at the same time. So how do I hold that reality in my body? How do I acknowledge all of my experience and not just lean heavily on the one that I'm wanting to be drawn to? I'm just nodding so much. I'm just, I just throw in, I'm throwing a lot of information. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's great. It's so rich with information. Yeah. Yeah. I felt that safety, perceived safety is so interesting right now in terms of creativity too. I'd love to know. Yeah. What has your experience been around the creativity? I'm really curious about that. Yeah. Well, I did a couple of episodes about this that people can refer back to and about kind of just my relationship with creativity this year. And I really like talking about relationships with concepts like that because we do have a relationship with it. Like it might sound weird, but I was, I think when I described the episode, I was like, this is like couples therapy for your, (laughs) you and your creativity. (laughs) Not the one about my experience, but the one with tips that came after that. Because yeah, our relationship with creativity is not the same this year necessarily. And I know some people were like burst of creativity, super excited, especially in that initial period when we were all reaching out to each other. And I kind of felt that way in some ways, but in others, not at all. Like I have barely composed at all this year. And part of that is because I'm almost never home alone. And I really like to be alone when I'm composing. Ideally it's, I can work around that, but like that and just the the lack of bandwidth this year has made it tough, but I know I've been creating a ton in other ways. And I've been trying to remind people that we use our creativity in all kinds of ways. If your creativity at the beginning of the pandemic was being used to figure out what the heck you're doing right now, like that's real. And you might've used up your creativity on that for a little bit. That's okay. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. And I think, you know, there was a, there was a really high level of exhaustion in the beginning. And it was a different kind of exhaustion that, that is happening now. I feel like now there's a bit of this, right. There's a bit of this, this just overall fatigue of like, I'm over this. I'm done with this. I don't want to be doing these things anymore. But in the beginning, I noticed that, and I noticed this with a group that I was, that I'm running and we actually bumped our call times earlier because people were just toast earlier in the day than they, than they ever were. And it was like, we couldn't even have conversations at the time that we were supposed to have them because people were fried. They just, their brains were shutting down so early during the day. So I think that that's been another negotiation is like, okay, what is your realistic bandwidth? What is your realistic brain width? When do you have time and energy during the day? And then being okay with realizing, wow, I would like to be doing work until whatever time that you think you're going to be doing work. But realistically, your brain may be shutting down three hours earlier than that. And how do you get on board with that reality? And how do you structure your day with that new reality in mind? Yeah. I've been thinking a ton about that this year. Since that earlier period, I just didn't really want to be strict with my time. The first like month of shelter in place, I was like, I'm processing and I have the luxury of being a little more fluid with my time. So I'm just not going to be as strict about that stuff. But eventually it came to like, okay, I'm getting a little itchy. Like I want to have a little more purpose here. And I started experimenting with time blocking, but I knew I couldn't do it in this like hardcore, no breaks way that I had done it in the past. 
And it was really interesting to experiment with all that and to think about all those little parameters, like, okay, when do I, not just when do I work best, but what happens if I am toast at noon versus at 5 p.m.? Or do I really need a break to lie down and take a nap in the afternoon every day? Probably, you know? Yeah. So this is something I'm curious about on um, what your answer is, because I've found, because this is a conversation that's been happening all over the place. And I feel like there are kind of, there are a couple, t- couple of different ways to, to approach this. And one is a I have tasks that I want to get done today and I'm going to work from a task position. Other is like another way of looking at it is I've blocked out time to do certain things. And like, this is the time that I'm working. I'm curious, like if you found what works best, if you found one or another, or maybe something completely different that works best for you. It depends, (laughs) which is the annoying answer. Um, (laughs) I do a combination and let it be highly modular based on mood, energy, um, like where I am in my cycle, whether it's sunny or not, like there are all these factors that contribute to me having more energy or less energy and on certain days, well, and what's going on? Like if there's a deadline and I'm like, okay, this has to get done by Thursday and that is, that is that. And perhaps I didn't plan ahead enough. I will be more strict about it, but I kind of have these different hybrid approaches. Like you can go hour by hour. You can go morning is for this, afternoon is for this. Sometimes I I actually haven't been time blocking at all recently. And I've been doing a to-do list that sometimes I'll write in the order that I plan on doing things with the knowledge that, okay, I'm suddenly really tired before lunch. I'm going to switch to this other thing that doesn't have a lot of brain power needed. I'll kind of classify by that too. And then I also like to make my to-do list by the week. So I know there's kind of this pool of stuff that has to get done this week. And then if today I'm like, well, I'm not going to be able to like write today and have complex thoughts, I'll just scrap that entirely and do something else from sort of like the pool for the week. So yeah, a lot of different things. Yeah, I agree with that. That resonates with sort of how I how I roll. And I found that it has been necessary for me to get on board with some sort of general framework. Like I have to work in some sort of general framework. I realized with myself, if I give myself too squidgy of parameters that I can just sort of drift around and then I'm like, what even, what am I even doing? You know, like I just, yeah. it's just like, I can just drift around. So there is a certain amount of structure or parameters, or at least planning that I found is necessary for me to put in place to keep moving forward on the stuff that's important for me to move forward on. And that's, that's taken me a while to sort of figure out too, because I think that anybody who's gone through any sort of a burnout or a being in a position where things were too rigid or too, you know, you were hustling too hard or you working too long, any of those sort of things that I, I think is, is kind of part of the entrepreneur experience, honestly. But I feel like what happens in those situations, it's like, I don't want to do that anymore. And I sort of swung the pendulum too far in the other direction where things were like too loosey goosey. So now it's trying to find that happy medium in the middle where things are structured to give some space and boundaries to stuff, but is not so squidgy that like literally it's noon. And I'm like, what are they, what am I even doing? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I guess I sort of glossed over that because I felt like it was implied in my own brain. I, I do kind of nine to five ish not because I feel like I need to nine to five but like 
that's when my partner is working and it's nice if we can have afternoons together and I know that I work the best in the morning so I'll get up and take a morning walk and then like if there are creation things that have to happen that's a really good time for my brain to do that so yeah I mean I I have some parameters like that too totally because yeah I'm like you if if I have nothing then it's like whoa what happened (laughs) and I don't like that feeling because I do like to feel like I'm doing something meaningful with my time not out of this obligation to be busy but because like like most humans we want to be actualized enough to feel like we have a purpose totally we want to be helpful we want to be of service we want to be serving the people that we're interested in serving and doing the work that we're interested in doing and having some sort of impact with it so and that only happens if certain things are are happening <laughs> exactly exactly <laughs> so i really want to know about all those types of practices that you were talking about earlier self care embodiment and spiritual i think were the things you listed i'd love to hear about some of the things you've been trying on and what's been yeah. the best and how it's changed yeah so there's definitely been an evolution i so i've had a, a text thread going with two two friends since since March, since things happened in the beginning, we were doing some, we were coordinating workouts together that we would do like virtual workouts together. We would do. And that was really in the beginning of the pandemic, that was super important for me to just have some sort of, okay, we're going to, we're getting together. We're doing this physical movement, even though we couldn't see each other. And that was, you know, kind of cheering each other on that way. Having some sort of getting outside was super important to me. I mean, even though it's, it's cold here now, it's, it's winter here now, there's snow on the ground. It's really cold. We have, we went out for, we went snowshoeing last weekend. Like we've been trying to get outside. Getting outside seems to be really helpful for me during the, the nice weather. I got really into the garden and I've tried to cultivate as many native flowers in our garden as possible. So we had a ton of pollinators and bees and we had a, I was, I would get out there every day and just be fascinated by what I would find in there. We had a praying mantis, we had a, a swallowtail butterfly caterpillar. And so I got really into like getting to know, and we got this teeny tiny little like <laughs> section of dirt around our house. I mean, it's like not yard, you know, like it's not a yard. It is a little <laughs> tiny section of dirt. Uh, we've done a bunch of, you know, we did a bunch of house projects. It felt like one of the things that, that really helped was to do things with my hands, to do something physical and something that that had some sort of a result to it, you know, like whether it was planting flowers or gardening where you could kind of look at it and be like, okay, that's something that is that that I did. You know, there was there's some sort of satisfaction with that and that physical doing of something with my hands that felt really good. In terms of practices, I have a friend who her name is Abigail Rose Clark who created the somatic tarot. And I had no connection or even understanding or interest in the tarot before she started talking about it. And I started to learn more about it. And so I have a, a fairly, fairly regular, I wouldn't say it happens every day at this point, but fairly regular morning tarot poll that I'll do. And I will sit, I've got a little altar set up that I will sit, I will do meditation. I've been connecting with my ancestors more this year. I worked with a, a woman, her name is Dina Welch, who's like an incredible energy worker that I, I got a lot of benefit from working with her. Let me see what else. I mean, it, like really throwing the kitchen's, kitchen sink at it. Wearing comfortable clothing is definitely a thing. I'm, I'm currently doing this interview in my onesie. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Which has actually been something. I just put a call out to a group that I'm in to see if people are interested in doing some collaborations in the new year. 
and I casually mentioned the onesie and like everybody responded with like, I'll totally show up in my onesie. So now I'm like, we're going to have the onesie conversations in 2021. Like that, that is something we are going to do. And I'm like, I think onesies are part of a recovery process. So, um, <laughs> I love it. I need to yeah. get one apparently. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a, it's a great piece of clothing. Um, and the other thing that we've done a bunch of is we, there's this, this app called teleparty where you can connect, you can basically log into something like Netflix or Hulu, I think maybe HBO, Disney plus, I think they're all, they all work with it. So you can, you and your friends can all log in with the same link. And then there's like a little chat box that pops up. So you can basically watch a movie together and chat at the same time. So we've been doing that with friends. We've had some movie nights, we've done you know, great British baking show, watching it together. So that's been some ways, uh, during the nicer weather, one of our friends got a, uh, outdoor projector and we watched movies projected on the side of their house. You know, it's like all of the things. And I, I mean, I could go on and on and on, but it, it really has been, it's like, what is, what is needed in this moment? You know, like what is going to feed me? What is it going to nourish me? What am I in need of like connection with somebody else? Am I in need of connection with something, you know, a greater power, you know, it's just been kind of these constant questions and checking in on like what is most needed right now. Yeah. I relate to that too. It's been all over the place and, you know, sometimes the social stuff is what I want and sometimes it isn't, even though I'm an introvert, it, it's interesting to see how that has evolved over this time. Not having a lot of alone time, despite my social circle being the people in my house mostly right now. <laughs> like, that's a weird thing. But then all the catch up calls with people, like, still can tire you out too. You know what I think is interesting about the catch up calls is a lot of the catch up calls, depending on the person and depending how often we've connected, it's been a lot of, um, intensity you know like when in the before the pandemic when you'd have a catch-up call with somebody it would be pretty like hey what's up what's going on in your world and it's like oh i'm working on this i'm doing this and i feel like there's almost this and i don't think it's maybe happening as much as it was in different time periods but there was this kind of obligated how much are you suffering right now and like can we like talk about that a little bit just because we have to clear the air before we can get to anything else like that yeah. it, it kind of feels like that's been a, a normal part of conversation which gets really hard after a while. And I know for myself, even, you know, clients came to me this year and they were going through it, which meant that I needed to get my support systems like on board. You know, I'm, I'm grateful that I have the therapist that I have that has been amazing, that I've been able to meet with virtually and, and, you know, all of my other support systems. So it's just been, um, I think that shift in like what we're talking about and the sort of intensity around what we've been talking about is also one of those things that can be super draining in, in social contexts. Yeah. And not knowing how to answer the typical, how are you at the beginning of the conversation? Cause I'm not someone who's just going to be like, fine, whatever to like <laughs> one of my friends. I, I always answer that question honestly. And I want my friends to as well. And it's like, uh, fine. <laughs> And then you like qualify it with a bunch of stuff that's like, well, I'm not sick and I'm not this, this, and this bad thing, but I'm really struggling right now. <laughs> that's real. And that's that I'm glad you brought up that point because that is happening all over the place is the sim It's the both and the simultaneous. I am having a really hard time, but also I want to acknowledge that I realize that there are other people right now that are probably in a relative like more difficult situation than I am so it's like kind of that acknowledgement of like 
having a hard time, really struggling, and also want to acknowledge that there are other people that are struggling in a different way. I mean, it doesn't like negate anything, obviously. It's not like competitive suffering, but it is kind of that, I just want to make sure that you know that like I am not in my own little world here thinking that, you know, not other people are not going through it. So yeah, yeah I totally get that. Especially this fall, because I'm in California and we had such a bad fire season this year and it was so long. Oh my gosh. It was so stressful. But then again, I was never in danger of being burnt to a crisp. You know, I didn't know if that would happen, but like it, that was a weird thing to be like, well, I'm fine, but actually we can't breathe outside right now. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's something almost even more challenging. And I think this probably speaks to the, a lot of the experiences some of us have been having. It's like when you're in it, you're surviving it, right? Like if you are dealing with the fire directly, you are, you're in it, you're surviving it, you're dealing with it moment to moment, you're like in that mode. When you're not in it, but you're on the edges of it, there is this kind of constant uh, like energy that sort of rolls around on a constant basis, like where you're, you just can't quite relax, right? There's this yeah. like, there's a little bit of a what if, or like a little bit of this vigilance that's kind of running in the background all the time. And I think that that's, that's really, uh, that's happened to a lot of us this year is this, this constant vigilance that's just under the surface where we feel like we can't quite let go. We can't quite fully relax. We can't yes. quite fully exhale, which I think is almost, you know, not to say that it's, you know, worse than actually being in a situation, but there's a difference to that sort of level of vigilance versus just dealing with it. Cause you're, you're in it. Yeah. And it's still very stressful and it might be worse in some ways because you might not know mm -hmm. just how stressful it is. Whereas being in the direct situation is obvious. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> Fires. I had even forgot about the fires until you just mentioned them. And I remember seeing pictures of people not being able to even see anything outside. Oh and the orange God. sky that one day, that was apocalyptic. Oh, oh my God. I mean, 2020, really, right? really <laughs> just, yeah, reflecting on all that, man. It's hard to believe that it all happened and that it was all contained within one year. <laughs> Yeah, 2021, I'm looking at you and we are not carrying this over. <laughs> right. We, are, we do not want to carry this over. Yeah. It is something that's notable to mention that, right, like these are historic times. Like these are things that are going to make it into history books and that people are going to talk about, you know, remember in 20, like where were you in 2020? Like I think the fact that we're in it, it's just so hard to really let that in that this is like what we've gone through this year is absolutely bonkers, just all of these things. And I think that they'll, the, the reflections on the responses over time will also be interesting too. Yeah. Cause we process as we go, but we can't finish processing as it is still happening. Yeah. You're totally yeah. right. Yeah, for sure. So on that note, I want to ask you what being a whole person means to you. I think the real summary of that is, is just really the both and like being the whole person is taking in the both ends and it's, it's taking yourself in with all of, with all of you, with your, the things you're scared of, the things you're excited about, the things that you, you know, put your attention on, the things that sort of occupy your mind in the background, you know, your actions that are really, really wonderful, your actions that you wish you had done differently, you know, things that you want to do better, things that you think you're, you know, it's just like this whole, like we are so interesting and fascinating and complex creatures.
And what it means to be a whole person is to be able to just sit in that and embrace it. You know, I, I talk about people and their, their operating system, this unique operating system that they have. And it's, you know, it's like, it's your ancestry and it's your nervous system and it's the experiences you've gone through and it is the experiences your ancestors have gone through. And it's, it's all of this wrapped all up into one and being able to get on board with that and not just like tolerate it, but to actually embrace it. I don't want to say that's like the ultimate because I'm not trying to make it into like goal chasing, but I feel like that there is something that shifts when you really start to get on board with all of that about yourself and your full humanity. Like holding all the messiness with compassion. Yeah. All of it. And even, and even the term messiness, I use it also. And I, I question it sometimes too. Cause I'm like, yeah, you know what I mean? It's just like, it is what it is. It's just, this is just it. We just call it messy because it seems different than our perfect, perfect perceptions of what stuff should look like. Yeah. I use it lovingly, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. It kind of creates this expectation that like, maybe it shouldn't be messy, but it sure is. is. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Thanks for that answer. Yeah. And last question I like to ask everybody is what are you excited about right now? Oh, I am so excited for my sabbatical. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited. So every year I take off a chunk of time. Usually it's somewhere after the solstice. So we're actually talking right after the winter solstice. So I'm going to be transitioning offline as of tomorrow and I'm going to be out until like January 11th really I'll be doing some stuff in the background but in terms of outbound work and stuff like that I am just going to take some time to let 2020 integrate and sort of do the thinking work that I haven't been able to do and do the reading and the luxuriating and all that sort of stuff so that's what I'm I'm super excited about that sounds so fabulous. And in the words of Alexis from Schitt's Creek, I love that for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Received. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Audrey. This has been an amazing conversation and I'm so glad you're here. Thanks so much for having me. This is, this is awesome. Thanks so much for listening to Being a Whole Person. The music you're hearing right now was written and performed by me, supported by Tim O'Keefe on percussion. If you'd like to take it one step further, you can sign up to get access to my library of worksheets, my favorite tools and resources, and some other fun stuff at coachingforcreativewellness.com resources, and you'll also receive my creative wellness letters via email every Monday. You can find show notes at coachingforcreativewellness.com podcast. See you next time, and be kind to yourself. <laughs>